It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Danny Burke of VEASAN's Rush Hour. Be sure to check out my podcast, the Chicago CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all of the Chicago teams. If you're from Chicago or just a fan of any of the Chicago sports teams and you want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe, follow, and listen to the Chicago CityCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts readily made available to you. This is the Chicago CityCast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into the Chicago City Cast presented by Bed Rivers, ladies and gentlemen. I am Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke 5, where you can always get in touch with me on Twitter. Also, you can catch my show Rush Hour. That's on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and that goes Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, live out of the Bed Rivers Sportsbook up in Des Plaines, Illinois, outside of the Rivers Casino. So check it out if you're ever stopping by. A lot of stuff to do there, a lot of fun to be had, and good food to consume, and great TVs to view as well. Uh, Look, you know, I'm coming into this episode in a, I I, I don't want to say crossroads, but but an odd mood, because there's part of me as the Bears fan that is ticked off. You know, mad, angry, disappointed that they didn't come away with the win, disappointed from the things that occurred from not only the referee standpoint, but from the own bear standpoint. And then there's another side of me that's like, look, 
did I really expect them to win this game? No, but did I think that they could keep it close? Yes, we talked about them covering the spread, and we, you know, we talked about a lot of player props, which we actually did fairly well on, and we'll go over in a second, but... You know, we, we do the night after, or we we go to bed, we sleep on it, we talk about it in the next episode, and it's pretty much a night to digest is what we've been calling it. And, you know, last night was filled with frustration, for sure, and it seems like it's also filled with, you were just like, man, you couldn't clinch it. You had the untapped potential kind of feeling there because you saw what Fields was able to do with that game-winning drive. You saw that they were able to roar back and almost set the record for what they were 219-0-2, whatever it was, leading by 14-plus points at home. And imagine this Bears team would have been the one to account for the lone dub in that category would have been incredible. It's just you're sad about that loss, but you're also a little bit happy, right? Because you know that you're on the right path if you're Justin Fields. Last week was the first true indicator of that going against the 49ers when he had that breakout run. And then they had the chance to maybe cut it close. Throws an interception on the first play. I'm not going to lie. You know, I was kind of afraid he was going to throw a pick and not even give the Bears a chance to kick that 66-yard field goal, which, again, we will get into that if that was the right decision or not. But, no, man, Fields looked good. And yes, he had some, again, questionable decisions. Sometimes he's still forcing throws where it doesn't need to be forced or having some inaccuracy issues. We saw that happen a couple times and with Allen Robinson. You had Jimmy Graham uh, drop a touchdown pass. You had Justin Fields take a terrible sack that took him out of field goal range in the first half. They ended up punting. That's, in my opinion, also a big reason why they couldn't, why they didn't come away with the dub in this game, among many others. But yeah, I mean, you're looking at this, and I'm still just a little bit bittersweet. It's just a weird feeling here as a Bears fan. Because again, the expectations realistically was not that the Bears were going to come away with the win, but they had it. They were in that spot. But you knew that they had way too much time left on the clock. I don't care who your quarterback is. It's just inevitable in the NFL that when you give a team that much time and they only need a field goal to tie or win, they're going to march down the field. Seldom does it not happen, or do they not at least get in the position to kick that field goal? It's incredible. It really is. And you can point to it being poor clock management by Nagy, but I don't really think you can use that as a main source of your argument. Because look, you got to score when you have the opportunity to with this offense that rarely is scoring in the first place. Fields made a good play, had a good opportunity. And they got the touchdown. Now, people are saying, oh, they shouldn't have celebrated too early. It's not that they're celebrating that they're winning. They were celebrating in the fact, I mean, yeah, they were happy they were winning, but they weren't saying, oh, it's game over. It was, no, they just roared back from that lead. This team has dealt with incredible adversity in this game from the officiating to lack of uh, discipline, bad play calling injuries. And then they bounce back on the road prime time to take the lead. They deserve to be happy and going nuts. But the defense didn't do their job on that last drive, and that's what it came down to ultimately at the end of the game. But I know there was many different reasons why the Bears didn't win this game. That was one of them among a handful. You had the penalties were just astronomical. I mean, my goodness. You know, going into this game, it, it, it had the reminiscent of – 
that Browns game almost not as bad, but with how ugly the offense looked, that's at least how I felt about it, that they're not getting anything offensively. And then they finally get the momentum going in the first half. Huge play to what? Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, whoever it was. And then he takes the huge sack, and you can't even get a field goal. You have to punt it. And again, I can't help but point back to that when you look at the box score of it being 27-29. to If they get a field goal in that situation, maybe we're having a different conversation right now on this episode. Maybe. But again, you can point fingers at many different spots. 12 penalties for 115 freaking yards. That is beyond unacceptable. That is undisciplined. That is just lack of organization from your team at its finest. Matt Nagy's coming out of a timeout, and they're in an illegal formation. How do you do that? And I tweeted this out. This Bears team has been for the past few years, and especially this year, eerily similar to what I have to watch and endure from my alma mater, Nebraska, from both coaches saying, oh, we've had great practices, but it doesn't reflect us being a 3-5 and five team. What? I don't want to go hearing that on Saturdays to hearing that on Sundays, Mondays, whenever the Bears play. No one gives a damn about how you practice. We care about how you produce on the field and what the win column is looking like at the end of the day, okay? I couldn't care less if Darnell Mooney's catching passes backwards in practice. It doesn't matter, okay? If Justin Fields is throwing 57-yard bombs left-handed, okay, we'll produce on the field. That would actually be cool. I would kind of care about that. But you get my point. If the Bears do good in practice, awesome. Here's your participation trophy. You can feel good even if you lose. No, screw that. Do something on the field. And you had the opportunity to do so. And you just couldn't hold on. Now, I know that I'm kind of spiraling off a little bit. I'm sure I'm going to do that plenty in this episode. But look, um, it was that that I was going to compare to. And then the fact coming out of a timeout and having an illegal formation, that is what the Huskers have done. It just makes you want to rip your freaking hair out. Like, how can you do that, especially in the position that you were in? Now, if the Bears went on and got demolished and didn't make a comeback against the Steelers, this would almost be the game even more so at this point that you would have to point to and go, get out of here. Nagy's gone. From doing that out of a timeout, from your team being incredibly undisciplined with 12 penalties for 115 yards, to the play calling, it once once again not being great, especially on that first sequence. Two runs, didn't get any yardage. Curl route that was be, uh, before the sticks. I get it wasn't the best throw from fields, but it's stuff like that that we are just fed up with as Bears fans. But then they bring you back in right when I go out. They bring you back in, you know, and they give them a chance to win. Bears scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. Incredible. But you needed to do something before that. You only got six points before that. Not good enough. Two turnovers. Steelers had one. Huge turnover from the Steelers from Ray Ray McLeod, right? I mean, the fumble, pick it up, get the score. And how about, I mean... You know, Chicago fumbling on that kickoff return was something else, right? I mean, Grant Sr., look, everybody's screaming at me. You know, you're not Devin Esther. Don't be Devin Esther. Don't run it back. Granted, I completely agree. Some of his returns were absolutely idiotic and ridiculous. But before this game, let's not act like he wasn't doing really well. Against the 49ers, he was having great returns out of the end zone and, and just on a bunch of these kicks. So I'm not going to go too crazy about it. Something he will hopefully pick up on and learn from. But that fumble literally was just, oh, nice little Sunday roll to the kicker. And he got it. 
fumble recovery by the Steelers. Like, how perfect was that fumble right to him? That was like, yep, that's being a Bears fan right there. That is Chicago Bears football in that spot. But something turned, and something did a 180 in the Bears get a special teams touchdown from Ray Ray McLeod fumbling it, and then the Bears get six points and seven, obviously, after the extra point because of it. That is like, what what just happened in the universe? Why Why did that happen to the Bears? It was crazy, but it was a hell of a game. And we talked about this total, too. This happened last week against the 49ers. Now, also, the total gets so low, and then it just cruises over. Same thing happened in this game because it's sloppy enough to go over. And now that it's been twice has been the case. But the Bears get the cover. I was saying it yesterday. I was like, I wish I wasn't a Bears fan because I would love to take the seven, but I just know they'll find a way to screw me. And they almost did. But the approach we took, and I hope you did it, for an in-game number because my even my friend was saying he got as high as catching 17 like right out of the gates when they were down 7 nothing. They lose by two. They should have won. Beauty of in-game betting. And beauty of people having lack of faith in this Bears team and you knowing that before the game you thought they could keep it close and they did. They certainly did. But look, the penalties were atrocious. And you look at this game and you go, you felt they deserved to win because of them roaring back, because of how good Justin Fields looked, and because they've dealt with so much adversity and overcame it, especially the officials. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But at the same time, you almost can't point the fingers and go, they deserve to win because of this. No, you know what? They deserve to lose because of that, and what that was was the penalties. Robert Quinn, how are you lined up right there? Illegal formation out of a timeout, how are you doing that? And I get some of the penalties should not have been called, like the chop lock or whatever it was. And then obviously at the end of the game, uh, when they got that stop, and I, <laughs> I mean, just the most ridiculous play from Cassius Marsh you've ever seen in terms of him getting called for that. But again, what I'm trying to say is you can point the fingers as much as you want, but at the end of the day, it comes down to nagging his team being completely unorganized, completely undisciplined. And that was the difference maker, right? A lot of that was the difference maker. Your defense not coming up when it needed to, not forcing a turnover off of Big Ben. You had big sacks. Roquan was an absolute dog in this game, per usual. 12 tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss. He just, there's just so much to process of this game and it's all come to my mind at once. But again, you want to blame the officials and rightfully so. But at the end of the day, you can't control what they do and their ineptability to call a game correctly. What you can't control is if your team is lined up properly. And that wasn't the case. That's what killed you. The penalties. At the end of the day, we could point at the zebras as much as we want, but it comes down to what Nagy didn't have his team prepared to do. In a play-by-play -play situation. That goes on the bald man with the headset. He needs to control that. He needs to fix that. Especially after a timeout. Come on, man. But look. The officials were awful. And I mean god-awful. And we say this every primetime game. It literally gets worse one after the next. And you always go, you know... You say it, but you don't want to be the guy who says it because it's anecdotal in the moment, right? Because it's just like, nah, I mean, they're not as bad as they were before. I mean, this is what we say every year. It gets worse. Every game, it gets worse. This game was actually the pinnacle of that. I'm not even kidding. You can point at a call being bad, and we talked about it for some times, and, 
or for some time and some games you talk about it for years like the Packers and Seahawks debacle and uh what was it the Calvin Johnson catch years back whatever that play was and this not saying it's going to be one of them but it it damn near might I mean I know that he didn't throw the flag for the official bumping into him, but why is the official sticking out his booty over here and then throwing the flag? That looks so suspicious. What ego does this guy have? Why did the refs feel the need to control the game like that and put the spotlight on them? It happened in Sunday night football, which was the most boring, ugly game. We saw the dude with the white goatee on the camera every 10 seconds. Like, dude, we're not wasting our Sunday nights to watch your ugly mug on TV. We want to watch these guys play enough with the penalties. Same thing here with the Bears and the Steelers. It is not about you. Roger Goodell, you moron. What kind of stupid-ass rule is this with this taunting? At no point is anyone except for Mike Florio, who no one cares about his football opinion, likes this taunting rule. It doesn't prevent anything. At what point has a taunting caused anything bad? Maybe once a season where they're already doing it regardless and then it gets into a fight? It's football. Guess what? There's physical t uh, contact. There's emotions flying at 100 miles per hour constantly. The adrenaline comes up. It's inevitable people are going to be chippy. And then when they make a good play, after all the hard work they put in all summer, all week, going through all the BS they have to do in pads and helmets and just being just miserable during practice, and then you get to the games, which is the main reason you play this game and you can celebrate and release that adrenaline, and you're telling them they have to contain it? Stupidest rule of literally all time, maybe in any sport. How dumb is that? And this isn't even just a rant because Cassius Marsh getting called for it in this game. This has been a rant from everything we have seen this season and how much that has determined it. That changed the course of a lot of things potentially. And, you know, the Bears maybe walk away with the win if it doesn't happen. Now, granted, they still limited them enough. But that, what, would have taken off three points in that game? This is a practice squad guy coming on because Khalil Mack's absent. And he goes out there and says what he says about the refs, calling it widely inappropriate. Good on you, Marsh. And everybody's saying, you know, he's probably going to get fined, and that's going to be a majority of his paycheck maybe. And I hope the players rally around him and pay it for him. Maybe we should get a GoFundMe if they don't. I mean, I'm sure they would. But he gets screwed. And I get it. There's the crowd that's saying, well, don't go over to the sideline and taunt. And I kind of get it. I kind of get it. He was going a little bit too much. But it's still in that situation, in that moment, what just a boneheaded call to make. Why do you feel the need to do that? A point of emphasis is you're in the NFL. Screw that. Why is this even a rule? Roger Goodell, you could not think of a worse thing to implement. What are you trying to prevent here that would, you're taking the fun out of the league that's already classified as a no fun league, and then you do this? You want to get away from that, and you are allowing this to be happening. Like, and they say, what, in week three, after everyone's going crazy? Well, we're still keeping it. We're not getting rid of it. You guys absolutely blow. You guys are making this league stink one year worse after the next, right? I mean, it gets progressively worse and less fun. How complicated could it be to realize that 99.9% .9 of people absolutely hate your stupid rule that you are making a common theme in these games to change the outcome? Imagine when this is going to happen in the postseason, guys, because it's going to. When adrenaline's even going to be higher, more stakes are on the line. And then it's going to come down to which ref has the biggest ego and how subjective a call can be. That's the thing. This is subjective. 
What does he think happened? Did that deserve to be a penalty? And you know what? The ref admitted uh, the bad penalty on that one chop block or whatever that ended up leading to a touchdown. This it and, and the crazy thing about you know you could call me a homer, but I actually have not universally seen as many people on Twitter text me who aren't Bears fans, whatever it may be, agree of how bad the officiating was in that game. I didn't think honestly as many people would have interest in this game because it's the Bears and the Steelers and it was going to be gross. But people from all walks of life were tweeting about it. People from all walks of life were texting me about it. Not as much, obviously, as tweeting. But my point being, people who I wouldn't expect me to talk to me about this game or care or be on my side for it were saying, wow, that was a poorly officiated game. Wow, that was a terrible call. Wow, the Bears got screwed. And you know what? They did. But they also screwed themselves. So as much as we want to point at the officiating and as much as I can rant about the Zebras and how terrible they are at their jobs... It also comes down to Matt Nagy being terrible at his job and not having his guys disciplined and causing that to go to to go being a, with a lot of penalties, right? I mean, it, it's both. And you can only control what your team does. So at the end of the day, yes, more of the power rests on the Bears and their inability to stay disciplined. But at the same time, you can't control Justin Fields getting hit late and not getting any calls. Like, my God, on the one where he turned around... Okay, I get it. You don't call it. It was kind of a weird way to get himself up. The out-of-bounds play, no. That was a clean hit. He went, He Justin Fields lowered his shoulder. He was expecting to take the contact. But the one after he did where he lied and his neck kind of got pushed forward, he completely got shoved like three seconds after he threw the ball. And you're not calling anything? Is this, a, is this just a lack of rookie respect? Like, unbelievable how you don't call that. There have been calls for infinitely less contact with a quarterback that we call out on a weekly basis. At what point do we hold these officials accountable? At what profession does do you not get held accountable if you're performing badly, right? I mean, it somebody needs to step up and do something. Something has to be taken in the course of action for these guys so they're not just having free range. And I get it. It's an impossible job to win at virtually, but there's also a point where you're doing so bad or missing calls so consistently that it needs to be addressed, and this was one of those games. We always see terribly officiated games. It's every game, but some are worse than the next, and most of them are prime time. But this one is arguably the pinnacle, especially for this season, 100%. You go on Twitter... Everybody unanimously was agreeing. Even Steelers fans were like, yeah, we kind of got away with one there. Yeah, no duh. That was awful all around. And I can keep going on it, and I'll try to limit it. But we might as well correlate it into where's the beef. Because you know where my beef is. It is with these stupid officials, and it's with the lack of discipline that this Bears team had, which also coincides with going with Matt Nagy, basically. It is what it is. But those are my beefs. Bear with me. What do we got for bear with me? You know what it is. It's got to be with our guy, Justin Fields. He played well. 17 to 29, 291 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The kid had a good night. He played well enough for the Bears to win. That's for sure. He also had 45 rushing yards, went over his rushing yards prop, which we talked about, went over his carries prop of six and a half, went over his attempts of 27 and a half, which we also discussed. Uh, Cole Komet with a career game here, six catches, 87 yards. Allen Robinson, I said, I have a feeling something's going to happen with A-Rob, but he had one of his best games this season, probably his best game, great catch toward the end to have that um, 
game-leading drive, not game-winning, of course. But he had four catches, 68 yards. Mooney did solid, but didn't go over three and a half receptions, so he actually stayed under that. Three for 41, but he did have the rushing touchdown, too, which was solid. So two touchdowns for Mooney. Uh, how about David Montgomery? If we're looking for silver linings here, obviously it's Justin Fields incrementally improving. That's what you want to see at this point, as we talked about before the game. That's a realistic expectation. Let's just see Fields take a step forward continuously, and that's what he did. So us Bears fans can be happy about that. We can also be happy that David Montgomery, he wasn't limited too much. 13 carries, 63 yards, had a 21-yard run. So look, Montgomery had a good game, and now you get another week for him to rest. That's good. And we'll see how they're going to be coming out against the Ravens. But I'm not too excited. I'm actually going to be at that game. I'm excited to see Lamar Jackson. Um, but I'm not excited to see this Bears defense get torched by him. Looking at the side of Pittsburgh, we won with Big Ben under 23 and a half completions. Najee didn't get the job done, baby. The Bears defense actually did pretty well against him. 22 carries, 62 yards. Needed about 19 more yards. But uh, Najee Harris did go over his rushing attempts of 19 and a half. Oh my God, I'm still salty about Fryermuth, 43 yards. We had 36 and a half. And he didn't get it till the last, what was it, the last pass of the game? Of course it was. I knew when the Bears took the lead, I was like, this is going to screw the Fryermuth bet. He is going to find him. And he did for a 13 yard catch. And he went over his receiving yards prop. Oh, that was brutal. Um, but we do stay under with Chase Claypool under four and a half receptions. The kid picks up three. So we get the dub with that. And we got Cairo Santos over five and a half kicking points. So all in all, it was a good betting effort in terms of our props. Bears covered. Total went over. This game is, you know, you look back at this game and... What stinks, too, is you look at Justin Fields and the highlights he's making, and you want to enjoy them. And he can, and we do. Like last week, that run against the 49ers, his touchdown in the drives to take the lead in this game. And you're like, wow, that's great. I want to go back and watch. But when you watch, you have this gross feeling because it's like, well, they didn't end up winning that game, even though those were the plays that made him take the lead. And you know they lost. But I get it. You have to kind of temper your expectations because we're not expecting the playoffs. I wasn't expecting the playoffs before the year. What we wanted to see was the improvement from fields. And we are seeing that right now unfold before us, which is beautiful. It's great. But it's still frustrating at the same time because, you know, if you got Bald McGee out there who can't get his team lined up straight, still calling the plays or at least still being the guy in charge and you're getting 12 penalties for 155 yards. How do you let Roquan line up like that twice? They get some of it falls on him, but someone's got to tell him something. Come on. It's pathetic. And I get it. You dealt with a lot of adversity, injuries, the refs being incompetent, so much BS and you still almost won, but we're not handing out participation trophies. What we're happy about, again, is Justin Fields looking good. What we're mad about is Nagy, you're not getting your team disciplined. What we're really mad about is the terrible calls the officials had or lack thereof for the Bears this whole game. Marsh, you had a great play. I'm not really mad at you. I'm glad you addressed it. I, you can't dispute that it's not taunting, though, almost. And in the heat of the moment is why it stinks, because... It's not surprising that they called it. It just stinks that it holds so much leverage and that can just turn that to a first down. It should not be that severe. He made a hell of a play. He celebrated. He's not on the field that much. Let the emotions fly, Goodell. You moron. This is why you play the game. 
let them reign free and have fun why are you trying to make this worse how do you actually sit down in a building and go how can we make this league not as fun how can we contain these guys and make them like our little puppets to just be you know standing there very monotone tackle okay and i saw a funny video whatever 49ers guy got a sack last week got the sack got up immediately sprinted to the sideline is that what you want players to do roger is that what you want this league to be you are ruining everything figure it out the bears are somewhat figuring it out guys at least justin fields is and that's what we can be happy with at the end of the day but there's so much to dissect from this game. The bear with me, like we said, Fields development. Montgomery looks solid off the injury. They get a bye week, a week to reset, a week to hopefully figure out how to line up properly, and we'll see how they can end this season. But all in all, a good comeback from this Bears team, not good enough. But all that matters is this, if number one is making improvements, which he certainly did. All right, coming up next, uh, let's recap the Big Ten college football slate. Oh, my goodness, we have got plenty to talk about in that regard. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit of Bulls basketball. Huge win by the Bulls. That's what, you know, we love you, Bulls, because you picked up the slack when the Bears couldn't. If they both would have lost, we would have been even more devastated as Chicago fans, but at least the Bulls picked it up. We'll talk about that a little bit more next as we wrap up another edition of the Chicago CityCast presented by Bed Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. The VEASAN midseason football special is here. So put the VEASAN betting experts to work for you. From now through February for only $99, you get daily best bet emails, 24-7 video streaming, along with betting splits for every sport, Point Spread Weekly, plus in-depth data and analysis, all on VEASAN.com. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the entire football season for just $99. That's VSIN.com slash subscribe. Alrighty, welcome back to it here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Time to recap some Big Ten college football action from this past weekend, and man, there is many to uh, many games to make you want to pull your hair out. Starting with Michigan State and Purdue. Now, let me address this. I lean toward Michigan State, and it's not because of them being number three. And I get it was a huge public play. Nobody thinks that Purdue should have won that game, covered that game. I get it. The sharp play was Purdue. I truthfully understand that. I kind of thought Michigan State would win this game by three and they would push because my reasoning was every time we have looked down on Michigan State as this is going to be the letdown spot, they actually came through and got the job done. I get Purdue has been solid. They upset Iowa. You know, they beat Nebraska on the road. But, man, how do you let this happen, Mel Tucker? How pissed are you as a Michigan State fan? Are you ever going to get in that spot again? Maybe. And I know I'm, I'm saying this as a Nebraska fan for a guy who's never going to see his team in that spot, but I'm saying, like, you had it in that moment, and then you lose to Purdue. I would be livid. 
and I get it. The expectations were nowhere near supposed to be where they are for Michigan State, but you had it there. You just couldn't lose this game, and you did. 40-29, to and good for Purdue, but man, that's so disappointing if you're a Michigan State fan. But good for Purdue, man. Michigan State and Purdue are both doing what Nebraska can't do in any of their seasons. It's pathetic. Every other team could somehow have a fluky good year, but Nebraska can't. And speaking of Nebraska, they keep it close with Ohio State, 26-17. Bravo. Participation award, baby. Frost keeps his job. You get rid of some of the coordinators, which, yes, had to happen. I get it. You're keeping Frost. You don't want to pay him out. You don't want to reset again. But you're truthfully stuck in purgatory with Frost. I wanted them to let him go a while ago because I'm a guy, if your team is just doing the same thing over and over, the definition of insanity, you got to start clean. I get it. It's not a hot spot. It's not a good destination to come. But you know what? If, if Mel Tucker could figure it out in his first year with Michigan State, I'm thinking someone could maybe do it with Nebraska too. But look, what was infuriating about this game, again, it's the same thing every single time. Why are you trusting Connor Culp? Do I have to bring up my same rant that I did, what, maybe two weeks ago? This kid has proven to you, Scott Frost, listen up, buddy. Time and time again, he cannot be consistent. He cannot hit a field goal when you need him to. And you're getting, what, fourth and four, damn near in the red zone, and you're settling for a field goal down six in the fourth quarter? Did you stumble out of the tunnel, hit your head before you came out for the second half? You're going up against a powerhouse in Ohio State. You're at home. You're having momentum on this drive. And you're choosing to go with the kid who's hitting freaking 50% on his field goals. You have nothing to play for really at this point. I, the bowl game was probably out of consideration. Now it for sure is again. And you're not going for the touchdown in a game and in a season where you have nothing to lose. My guy, what are you doing? What is actually going through your brain to trust this kid? And of course he misses. You knew he was going to miss. Same thing that happened against Minnesota. You you feel bad for the kid, not because he's bad, but because, well, you do, but it's because Scott Frost keeps putting him in these situations. The kid's like, Scott, clearly I can't hit a kick. Why do you keep putting me out there? What else do I have to do to prove to you that I am not good at this thing? Scott's like, no, 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 I recruited you, so I have to believe in you. We're going to put you out there even though you keep missing these. Like, Holy cow, man. Have some cojones. Go for it. Take the lead against Ohio State. Get the upset. You can't beat Ohio State when it's the fourth quarter and you're down six by settling for field goals. Like, what goes through the minds of some of these coaches, honestly, and especially Scott Frost? Maybe the answer is nothing. I don't know. Maybe it's a monkey banging symbols in there. I don't know what's happening. But how do you let Scott Frost throw the kid out there again with the worst special teams team in the country, with arguably the worst kicker in the country, who has proven to you time and time again he cannot be relied upon? Why would you not go for it on that fourth and short? What do you have to lose? You were in red zone territory virtually. Go for it, my guy. What is your problem? Why do you keep doing this? The definition of insanity. Fat picture of Scott Frost goes right next to it. In the Webster's Dictionary. Nebraska covered. Cool. Who cares? Yeah, I love Ohio State. I'm salty. But look, <laughs> Nebraska 
of course they were going to keep this game close so Scott Frost would get a little bit more leverage to stay. And I get it. Look, he was going to stay regardless. It's probably the right call at the end of the day. You know my emotions are going to get the best of me with it. But it's just they need to get someone else to call these plays. They need to get someone else to not make these boneheaded decisions for the Huskers. Ohio State should have dominated more. But it is what it is. Nebraska's defense did very well. They look like the team they did in the first half of the season. So bravo to the defense. Uh, Michigan getting the job done against Indiana, 29-7. Nothing too crazy there. How about Wisconsin actually looking like a competent team? 52-3 at Rutgers. Naturally, and we were talking about this game, Iowa cannot close out Northwestern 17-12. Iowa, you are pathetic. You are pathetic. And it's hilarious because you're kind of like Michigan State. You had it all for you on a silver platter. To not only get to the Big Ten Championship, but to maybe even get to the college football playoff. And then you lose to Wisconsin. You lose to Purdue. And you only beat Northwestern by five. And the Wildcats are arguably the worst team in the Big Ten. Gross. So he said them laying 12 points. No. No, 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 no. This Iowa offense is so bad. Oh, my gosh. Again, you look at Michigan State fans. How about Iowa fans? At least when I was talking to my Iowa buddies... They're all realistic. They're like, yeah, you know, Petrus, yeah, we're not going to, like, we're happy while we can be, but this isn't going to end well. And it hasn't, and it won't, and it didn't. Iowa getting the win, but barely. Don't be happy about that. Uh, Penn State, I thought Maryland would actually keep this one closer, but Penn State gets the job done 31-14. to Tungavailoa, 371 yards, but only one touchdown, 41-57. He's fun to watch, but uh, Maryland's defense couldn't do squat. Penn State's defense had a good game. Another frustrating game. How about Illinois and Minnesota? This just makes you even more mad because of what Nebraska did, you know, losing to Minnesota and Illinois. But Minnesota, again, a team that's so frustrating. You get ranked. You get momentum despite losing to Bowling Green at the beginning of the year at home. What, 14-10? to 10. You're under four-string running back. I get it. And you get Illinois at home, and you're finally getting some momentum to being a top team. And you lose 14-6. to 6. The Big Ten just beats the crap out of each other. It is a unforgiving conference. My goodness. Ohio State, the only one just limping to the top with the Big Ten flag and saying, we're the only ones not taking the beating here. Oh, my gosh. At home, Minnesota. You give credit to Brad Bielema, sure. I just... <laughs> It's just something else this year, man. College football is wacky. It always is. It's why it's a very unstable sport to bet, really. It's tough. It's really hard. Props to anyone who's having a successful year doing so because I'm not with college football. But, man, that's how the Big Ten shaped out. Nebraska doing Nebraska things. Big Ten top teams disappointing each other. But Ohio State remains at the top and is probably going to find themselves in the college football playoff, which they deserve to. Uh, let's talk Bulls really quick. How about the Bulls getting a big win against the Nets? Saving our emotions completely from being wrecked uh, last night and getting a huge win against the Nets. You know, you're a little, you weren't concerned, but you're a little bit like, ah, this Bulls team not making things fun after you lost twice to the Sixers. They get a huge performance against the Nets, 118 to 95, 42 points in the fourth quarter. Guys, DeMar DeRozan is cruising over his props. I was almost going to bet it, and I got distracted because I think I was doing it during rush hour during a commercial break with his props at 23 and a half and I just didn't have time he gets 28 the dude has been a madman 
we got to keep looking at his props and we'll talk about it for their next game or what do they play? I think they play Wednesday is their next game. If I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, they play the Mavericks, which should be a favorable game. Actually, that's going to be a good spot for them at home. But if they're giving us good opportunities with DeMar DeRozan folks, how can we not take it? 28 points in this game. He's been an absolute beast. Uh, we need more production from Vucevic. Still, 11 points isn't going to cut it. Levine dropped 24 is good. How about Dasumu? I would assume he'll be in a beautiful addition to this team. Keep it up, kid. But uh, look, yeah, DeMar DeRozan, looking at what he's done. And I don't get, and I, it's funny that people are bringing up like the old takes exposed, terrible free agent signing. First of all, how at any point was that a terrible free agent signing? And we get it. You know, we don't have to hammer it every time he has a good game because this is who he is. He's a dog. 32, 37, 37, 25, 28. That is what he's done in his last five games. If they're getting us under 24 for his points prop, you bet we're taking it. Points, rebounds, and assists, you you bet we're considering that. And we bet that last week, and I'm going to be looking to bet that against the Mavericks too. Big ups to DeMar DeRozan. Big ups to this Bulls team. Good job getting the dub, 118-95, and 7-3 to start. Let's hope they keep things cruising against the Mavericks. All right, guys, that's going to do it for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Remember, you can watch my show or listen to it, Rush Hour, on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. You can get it on iHeartRadio, the Xfinity app, Fubo TV, Sling TV, YouTube TV, the Marquee Sports Network, and, of course, VEASAN.com or the VEASAN app. Thank you all for tuning in. Don't be too devastated about the Bears game. Don't let the officials ruin your week, even though they do that to us every single week. Let the improvement of Justin Fields give you hope, as it should. Exciting times ahead. Maybe not this year, but down the road. If the coaching staff can change, if we can keep Justin Fields healthy, this kid is going to be the real deal. That was fun to watch, and it will be. But keep up the chins. And be pissed about the officials. Be pissed about Roger Goodell and his dumb rules. That's okay, but be happy about Justin Fields. All right, next episode, we're going to be talking about Bears futures. We'll talk more Bulls basketball and just overall NFL discussion in college football. You know how we roll here on the Chicago City Cast. Can't wait to talk then. Best of luck with all your bets in the meantime. Enjoy the games. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to another episode of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.